You are listening to the Lucha Central Podcast Network. And now, Lucha Central Weekly. Welcome to another edition of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. This is the podcast that lets you know all of the latest happening in the world of Lucha Libre. Each week, our team discusses news and events from this past week, as well as preview the week ahead, covering Mexico-based promotions and top independents, along with luchador-related news from throughout the United States. The Lucha Central Weekly Podcast is part of the Lucha Central Podcast Network on LuchaCentral.com. This podcast and others from the network are also available on all major podcast streaming platforms, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Speaker, and more. My name is Miranda Morales, and I'm one of the co-hosts of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. And I'm going to bring in my two lovely co-hosts, introducing first... He's the dashing one, Mr. Dusty Murphy. Dusty, how are you? I am doing fantastic. How are you doing, Miranda? I am doing well. I still love seeing all of your pictures and posts from when you went uh, to, I uh, believe, was it what, night one of Fighter Fest? Yes, it was. Yes. Yeah, in Austin. Yeah. yeah that was so, a lot of fun. It's very cool to see all of those pictures. Really just great to see all fans back at wrestling Ooh, events. Absolutely. So, Heck yes. yeah. Yes. And our second co-host, really the third part of this trio, is who? 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 It's the one and only Brendan Barr. That's who. Yeah. I am the pillar. That's it. I'm the pillar of this trio. (laughs) Well, I think we're all, we're just like a three pillar, (laughs) like we all are pillar. It's just three pillars. It's, yeah, no, it's three, I, I, yes, I was just being... Because I was coming out last, I'm just like I'm I'm the anchor, the well, pillar, the anchor. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I like that. I like it. I dig it. I dig it. That's the shirt, the anchor, <laughs> and it's a big old anchor with a question mark. Oh, that's deep. That's really artistic, <laughs> actually. Like people would be like, oh, you know, this is just like an indie thing. You would know. <laughs> oh God, we become those people. We, have, we are on the verge of becoming those people. We, we quick, quick. Let's talk about quick, something quick, else. Quick, quick, quick. Let's go back to the masses. Mark out, mark out, mark out. No. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us for another week of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's show. As all of our previous shows, we've been doing this now. What? This is week 65. Actually, even more. Ooh. Maybe a few more. Yeah. But, there, there's know. a couple secret shows. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know, maybe like 68 or something like that. We're still, that's still a while. It's, we've been doing this for a minute here. So thank you to those who are new listeners who are joining us for the first time. Thank you to returning listeners who have listened to us before. We are so appreciative and grateful that you spend time out of your week to listen to us talk and ramble about lucha libre uh we're pretty good at it just just to let you know 
We do all right. We do all right. Right. So this week, you know, lots to go over, as always, because we do cover a lot. We cover all the major promotions. We cover what's happening in Mexico and plus even more. We have some great information for you this week. If you're going to be heading over to Las Vegas for SummerSlam weekend, we have some information for you later on in the show that you may be interested in. But before we do that, you know how we started. You know how this goes. We got the road back to shows with Brendan. Take it away. All right. So those of you who have been listening know that uh, the road back to shows started with us talking about Mexico in particular, trying to bring us back to shows. We're there, sort of, except for we back they backslid again and things went to orange. But then at the same time, the governor said, sure, we're orange based on on uh, the old requirements, but we're not going to change anything. So basically. The government has given up on maintaining the the standards. The colors will be – I will probably update them less frequently because uh, until they change their minds and decide to start actually changing behaviors, the things are are just pretending to be normal. I'm just getting the, this weird vibe from like that, that pre-lockdown period of a couple of weeks where people were desperately trying to pretend everything was normal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and then it all blew up and I really don't want that second part to happen. So, but uh yeah, the, I mean that this is a thing. It's a real story. The government said, "Yeah, we technically backslid to orange, but um we're going to just keep running like we're yellow." So Oh, uh, um and then so that uh, that leaves question marks like how is that going to impact Upcoming shows, IWRG announced they went from 60% to 40% for their ticket sales, but then when you look at audiences, you don't really know if that's true either. Also, 40% isn't what it's supposed to be at at Orange. It's supposed to be 30%. So, I mean, it's just, They're you know. They're fudging. They're fudging their own rules. <laughs> Everybody's fudging the rules. Everybody's fudging the rules. But that's the story about this week's Road, uh, road Back to Shows is everybody's fudging the rules. So, there you go. Mexico City is complicated. That's, that's the new color. Complicated is a color now. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> In other news, um, Jose Con- Contreras Masia or Massa um, has announced that he is bringing back the Sindicato Nacional de Luchadores, which is a popular lucha libre union that existed from the 60s to the 90s. Uh, those of you who are familiar with wrestling politics will understand that the 90s was a period of time where a lot of things that had existed historically, kind of started to fall apart for a number of reasons. So uh, I don't have all the details, but once I saw that it kind of broke up in the 90s, I'm like, yeah, that, that, that tracks. There's a lot of – the 90s will be at, at some point uh, past our lifetimes will be viewed as a period of time where the wrestling world really shifted dramatically in a way that is hard to comprehend right now because – the repercussions are still being felt. But yeah, um, he, uh, Jose Contras, Contreras Massa has announced that he wants to bring it back. Uh, he, his focus is having luchadors pool 
uh, dues in, uh, and other resources to be able to handle medical emergencies and uh, other health issues, which I think is a grand idea even more than normal. Like we talked with uh, Gabe on that interview about injuries just happen. But if your job is to travel around and be in public and in a pandemic era, it's a good idea to have some insurance if you need to go get yourself examined or you need to be in, uh, you know, in, in lockdown for two weeks at a time or whatever else. So, uh, I, I think this is a cool idea. Hopefully it gets a lot of momentum, but, uh, uh, CMLL has their own union, which is, Something we've talked about before, and there is, uh, believe another union that is existing right now as well. So we'll see how much traction it gets. Definitely keep your ears open for that. Um, and then it, it, I like to end the road back to shows with something cool and upbeat and fun. So here we go. Uh, GCW, who's been doing a lot of lucha content lately. Uh, I'm not going to hate on that. They announced that they're going to have two luchadors at an upcoming show on their 903 and 904 shows. So in, in Chicago. So what they, the names they gave us were Super Crazy and Juventud Guerrera. And in addition to being just kind of cool because those are two legends from the WCW era, it also ties in with more news that we're going to have later. So kind of remember that I mentioned I ended this segment with Super Crazy and Huvatukura being in Chicago next month. Um, I'm going to roll right into the Indie Roundup. We had uh, a bunch more IWRG, but we had one match that uh, really kind of uh, – it's, it's it's available for free. Kind of I snuck in the, under the radar. I didn't even catch it in the upcoming match announcements, or I would have made a bigger deal out of trying to catch this. Uh, at Arena Nalkpan, they had uh, an event on the 25th, and uh, the main event was Diosa Atena, Hijo del Vikingo, and Tonali against Diosa Quetzal, Bandido, and Hijo del Albrije. So, like, those of you who are big on indie names will recognize a lot of those. Those of you who are big on indie names here in America will still recognize Vikingo and Bandido as two of the biggest indie luchadors around right now. And uh, having them on opposite sides is kind of a big, exciting deal for me. I, yeah. Um, and then, uh, you have Diosa Quetzal and uh, Hijo del Abrije, who are regulars on the Indie Roundup. Uh, it's all in all, this looks like a really fun match. I haven't seen it. Uh, it is up on the uh, Mas Lucha YouTube channel, so I will get a chance to watch it after we record this, but, uh, I, I, I did, I was slacking and didn't get a chance to see it yet. It, um, Diosa, Tina, Hijo del Vikingo, and Tonali got the, got the win. But I feel like that's almost a secondary thing to just how awesome this match is, is going to be. So go check it out. Uh, that's my indie roundup. Uh, I'm going to give the pitch again. We're running to the point in time 
Uh, we were talking about this before the show. There's already a ton of shows that are being announced over that SummerSlam weekend just for Las Vegas. So the Indie Roundup is starting, is going to start filling up with a lot of cool things. So this is the time to get, to get your Indie wrestlers a little bit more spotlight, a little more shine. Tell me about them. If you're a wrestler, if you're a fan, if you're a promoter, if you're a dog that's on the internet, I don't care. Just send me your- <laughs> They're out there. <laughs> uh, we'll do socials at the end, but <laughs> please send me all of your stuff because uh, I'm going to be overwhelmed with shows to cover soon, and I want to get your indie stuff in here as much as I can while I can. Well, thank you, Brendan, for the road back to shows and the indie roundup. Uh just definitely want to reiterate what Brendan said about uh, independent wrestlers, promotions, fans. Reach out to us. Uh, again, we have some some nuggets of information later on in the show about SummerSlam weekend that you want to stay tuned for. But, you know, help us expand our minds and our worlds by letting us know what's happening in other parts of the country with Lucha Libre. Uh, and we're happy to mention it on the show but up next, we're going to kick it off to Denise Salcedo, who brings us this week's Lucha Central Central. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hey everyone, it's Denise Salcedo here in Lucha Central Central with a reminder of where and when to catch all of the great network content this week. Get the full lineup and listen to all of our shows in the podcast network section of LuchaCentral.com. On Tuesdays, Math, Max, and Mayhem takes you inside the world of Lucha Underground as they take you weekly through the series with the benefit of hindsight and the benefit of special guests from the groundbreaking series. Check out the premiere video stream every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Lucha Central YouTube channel and at LuchaCentral.com. Then listen to it on your favorite podcast platform every Wednesday. Tuesday night's live is WrestleBoss, where Fabi Chulo talks MMA and pro wrestling with special guests and listener call-ins. Visit WrestleBossLive.com Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific to listen live or call in with questions or download the show on podcast platforms on Wednesdays. Wednesday nights live on Facebook, it's Spanish show La Mesa de los Margaros, giving you both the news and the cheese made from around the lucha world. Special guests and a whole lot of fun make it one of the most talked about shows in Mexico. Thursdays, it's straight out of the bodega with Papo Esco and PWR promoter Gabriel Ramirez as they have guests from throughout the wrestling world pull up to give an inside look into their careers. From indie standouts to television superstars, each week brings a new name and perspective. On Friday, it's your double dose of Lucha Central weekly podcast, one in English y el otro en español. Lucha Central Weekly is where you'll find all the top stories of the week, both inside and out of the ring from Mexico and anywhere luchadores are in action across the globe. Be sure to subscribe and follow all your favorite Lucha Central Network series on your favorite podcast platforms, either by their own series name or subscribe to the Lucha Central Podcast Network show pages to get all of the shows in one easy feed. 
And please consider giving a rating to help more fans find the shows that you love. For now, this is Denise Salcedo signing off from Lucha Central Central. Have a great week. Lucha-Masks.com by Pro Wrestling Revolution. Bringing you in partnership with Mask Republic. The Lucha Brothers, as well as Japanese legend Ultimo Dragon. Go to lucha-masks.com and fight Lucha Strong with masks from your favorite Lucha Legends and Pro Wrestling Revolution Luchadores. Stay safe in style and represent your favorite Luchador. Get yours now at lucha-masks.com, powered by Pro Wrestling Revolution. As always, a huge thank you to Denise Alcedo, who gives us this week's Lucha Central Central, letting you know what's happening throughout the Lucha Central Podcast Network. So up next, we're going to be starting going into our reviews of this week's shows, and we've changed up the order again. We're going to start this week with AEW. So, Dusty, go ahead and take it away. Yeah, this week we had a lot of content in AEW. Starting on Monday night with Dark Elevation, we had Angelico versus Marco Stunt. Uh, Angelico was really the star of this match, and he stood above Marco Stunt in both size and ability. It was a great match if you love Angelico. He toys with Marco a bit like a cat with a mouse. He finally gets tired of it, and he hits a Yakuza kick on Marco before getting the wrist clutch torture rack. And it follows and forces Marco to tap. Quick match, but really entertaining. And then we also had the Lucha Bros, Pinta El Zero Miedo and Ray Phoenix with Alex Abrahantes versus Allen Five Angels and Ten. This was Phoenix's first match in AEW since his win against Chuck Taylor on April 21st's Dark Elevation. So it had been a while since we'd seen Phoenix, just a little over three months. But he's back now. Very exciting. The offense was insane for the entire match. Five and ten from the Dark Order both really held their own impressively against the Lucha Bros, including taking some incredible tag team moves from the Lucha Bros, like 10 taking a double stomp backbreaker, and then later he hit a slingshot spear to avoid the double stomp fear factor before they were able to hit it on 5, with Phoenix diving on to 10 so Penta could get the pin without any interference. Great match, there was a ton of ring psychology, and I loved how evenly matched the teams felt, like it was a really... Exciting match for that reason. And just exciting tag team wrestling, just like I love. So I highly recommend you check out Dark Elevation for that match, if nothing else. The whole episode was great, but that match was fantastic. Then Tuesday on Dark, we had Diamante versus Big Swole in a grudge match. It's not often we get a grudge match on AEW Dark because of how packed it was. But this is one of my favorite parts of AEW, kind of toning down the amount of matches we get on Dark every week. It gives the stories and the the feuds that occur room to breathe, and Mm -hmm. it gives us the chance to get invested in things, and it helps the show not just be billed for Dynamite and then a stack of random matches every week like it was (laughs) during the pandemic. Diamante was extremely dominant in this match. She was the obvious aggressor, but you expect nothing less from Diamante. I have really enjoyed seeing her become such an impressive singles wrestler. She was, we saw her in her fantastic tag team work with the Ivalice last year. She was in our tag team of the year at our year end 
choices, awards, whatever you'd like to call them. I mean, like, so we, we know Diamante's incredible, but it's just so cool to see her as a single star now. This match was no exception. She got a huge win over Big Swole after using the ropes to get leverage to make the pin. And based on that, I have a feeling this isn't the end of the feud. I'm selfishly hoping it isn't because it feels like they could easily take it up to the next level, especially if they had like a stipulation match going forward. I I think that there's more to this than they got the chance to debut in just a few minutes on Dark. So hopefully there's more to it. And then on Wednesday night, you know what that means. It's Dynamite. First up, we had Proud and Powerful versus FTR. It was actually hard to judge this match by oh. standard criteria because due to the injury that Cash suffered, it, it ended quickly. Mm-hmm. But this was a strong and angry pout and powerful right from the start. Conan came out looking like an OG. They were amazing. A proud and powerful used an amazing, just an incredible two-man backflip powerbomb combo. They had both mat-based and aerial offense. There were mm-hmm. a couple of tributes to Eddie Guerrero, including a fantastic frog splash. They just generally exceeded and out-wrestled FTR throughout the entire match. But then Cash Wheeler gets a cut on the ring post, and all of a sudden everything was over with FTR getting the win. Like, yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, so I, uh, even without the injury making, uh, so I think the injury, the, the short version of this, I think the injury is the silver lining. I'll get to why in a second. But um, even without that, I thought this was a match that was suffering from being on TV instead of on one of their bigger events, even if it's. Yeah. Well, that was the first matchup between them, like, and they just put it in the middle of a show with no fanfare, like middle of dynamite. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Our placement was strange. You got it. You Mm -hmm. got it. You got out of almost out of nowhere. They had to remind people. The the commentary had to remind people of the heat between these two teams as to and and why it was all there. There wasn't any any kind of build towards this. Uh, before we got this match, and and then uh, we got some really strong pieces, like you said, it's a, it was a sound match, but it could have been so much more with just a little bit more. So I'm hoping that because of the injury, kind of taking the wind out of what they were going to do, that they can convert that into story and make this into a bigger build for this, right? Like accidentally yeah. doing what they should have done in the first place. Yeah. It, it does feel like this is just a stepping stone in mm-hmm. the pinnacle versus inner circle feud, but it's weird. They would use this match. Like this was kind of anticipated for a while. Then they pulled the trigger when it wasn't as hot and just, yeah. just strange choices. And despite the match getting called early, the next match we're going to discuss Christian and Jurassic express versus the Hardy family office. It was very quick. It was a fun match. The crowd loved Jungle Boy as usual. Uh, Angelico was at his swaggy and dancy best. There was an amazing spot where Luchasaurus suplexed Angelico, both members of Private Party at the same time. And then undefeated Christian Cage got the pin on Mark Quinn after a powerbomb, or a chokeslam rather, from Luchasaurus just after five minutes. It was a fun match. It was probably more fun live, but it went too quickly in my opinion and it offered very little substance just fun there is there is one thing in there i had my fan moment with this we got to see angelico and matt hardy do yes uh, uh, no no sorry uh not christian 
Uh, we've seen Angelico and, and Matt Hardy for a while, kind of, but we got to see Angelico and Christian rapping. So you get this kind of generational thing, two guys with similar body types, two guys that I personally really love. So yeah, sorry. It, it was a, I, I loved the match. It was a lot of fun, but it just didn't feel like it had much gravity or had much effect on things going forward. And, you know, I feel like. Overall, yeah. the thing, the big things were big, and everything else just felt right. small. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. like the big nope, moments, no, absolutely, you know, were the big moments. Like everybody remembers, you know, uh, uh, the the entrances for you know Dark Order versus you know the Elite. Everybody remembers, you know, what happened with with Jericho uh, and Gage, you know. So I feel like those seem to take so much of the spotlight that. I mean, there was a lot of solid matches and a solid work, and um, but those just kind of took the breath away of the entire show. I I don't disagree with that. I think I think that the there was like we were talking about the lack of build up really helped create that, and mm-hmm. I think I think they created some of that problem instead of of suffering from that problem. But I agree that the end result was. Yeah, and I, and I yeah. agree with that, too, because I do think at the end of the day, especially the elite versus the dark order, think about who's in the elite. You know, they tend to take up much of the, the space in the room when it comes mm-hmm. to some of those bigger matches and storylines. Mm-hmm. But anyways, sorry, we digress. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it's true. Uh, it's absolutely true. Um, we'll, uh, we'll get to that a little bit about the Jericho Gage thing here in a second. But first, we have Thunder Rosa. She made her big return to Dynamite this week against Julia Hart. Fresh off the triumph of signing with AEW, she was all elite. We mentioned that last week. This week, we have Thunder Rosa's return to Dynamite. This is her first Dynamite appearance since May the 12th mm-hmm. and only her second Dynamite appearance since the star-making Lights out match with Britt Baker on March 11th of this year. So hopefully her contract status now will have an effect on her appearance. She was just too good to be on dark and dark elevation all the time. She, and if she's going to be a legitimate contender for Britt Baker going forward, they need to have her on dynamite. So it was, yeah, very exciting. I hope that now that, you know, she's kind of made it on dynamite we'll be seeing a lot more of her but this was the rosa we want to see she was like a bulldog in this match it was incredible she just constantly threw in just intense offense and she completely dominated julia hart the entire match before picking up a three count with a beautiful thunder driver at the three minute and 59 second mark which was likely the longest four minutes of julia hart's life <laughs> like, she she looked so nervous like, uh huh. That's that Julia Hart on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's fair. She's yes. yeah, yeah. And I believe this makes Thunder Rosa now number one. Yes, uh, in number the one contender. Number one contender. So I do like some of the long-term storytelling um, that they're telling with this. Hopefully, you know, uh, some kind of rematch with Brett Baker, and I-, I could see why maybe Nyla was meant to kind of be a program in between. But you know, uh, again, the competition wasn't strong with Julia Hart, you know, again, that's something that they they struggle with. But I think the storytelling and the long term kind of uh, game that they're playing with this is one of the better ones. I I also I also want to give a little bit of a of a nod to the more subtle storytelling they did. 
Rosa was wearing black and gold this time, which is the colors of the all of the dynamite promotions. So she's clearly doing doing that to be uh, invested in the I'm I'm all in with all yeah. elite at this point, which is a masterful touch. And since I know that Rosa makes a lot of her own gear, I know she's probably responsible for that decision making. So good job. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> and then we also after we had a very interesting twist. After the Nick Gage Chris Jericho match, when Jericho defeated Nick Gage, and and I just have to mention there was a wild spot where they used the pizza cutter and then it immediately cut to a Domino's commercial. That was amazing. <laughs> but I I'm, think Domino's did they have to put out a statement? Yeah, they did. They were mad and they're threatening to pull their spots over it and Yeah. Yeah. They disavowed any knowledge or involvement in the the telecast or what was going to happen. Smart for them. Smart. Yeah. I mean, they already had problems yeah. with that. They had they had a marketing campaign that ended uh, badly for them before, so they're really going to be yeah. fussy about. Uh, but I had yeah, back on fast forward. It it was rough. There were light tubes. That's I, I can't stand oh, the glass oh. and the light tubes. And yeah, there was yeah. It, I, it was easily. I mean, maybe not the bloodiest match. That has been on Dynamite Lights Out was quite bloody, but this was definitely the the most hardcore match, violent. I guess you would call it. Violent, I would. I mean, just yeah, the most violent match. Most yeah, violent that's a good way to describe it. Yeah. And Jericho wins. You know, he Gage said, "What are you going to do? Hit me with something I've never been hit with before?" And he did twice. He gave him the Green Mist, and then he gave him the Judas Effect. And so he he picked up the win. I liked that. But after he beat Nick Gage, we learned what the next labor of Jericho would be from MJF, and it was announced that he would be facing Juventud Guerrera next week. Oh, so exciting. It would be an AEW Dynamite homecoming. It's such a cool announcement. It's been a long time since we saw Hoovy in a promotion this large, even longer since we saw him on TNT. Uh, we will definitely have a review of that next week, but uh, the juice is back, y'all. I'm excited. I cannot wait to see Hoovy. It looks like he's going to have the mask again from the Ooh, yes. kind of promotional the artwork. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I hope they keep the microphone away from him so he gets to come back. But <laughs> I am excited to see Hoovy. That's always been his biggest Achilles deal. <laughs> he loves to talk about himself on the microphone. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> Yeah, we will check out Lucha Central for news and updates when that happens. We will definitely be talking about it next week. As you can tell, we're all big fans of Hooventude, so this is a very exciting announcement for us. I don't know if I want to use the word fan to describe my relationship with him. (laughs) He is a very interesting person. (laughs) Very interesting. That, and that's an understatement. <laughs> well, Dusty, thank you so much for that wrap-up of this week in AEW. A very, very busy week. Make sure you check out the results uh, for all those shows on LuchaCentral.com. But, Dusty, your work isn't done yet because we no. have this week in WWE, including some, uh, you know, kind of a sleeper match on main event. Yeah, we did. We mentioned it last week. 
you know, that there was an Angel Garza match. And I said we'd review it this week. And all I knew at the time was that Angel Garza was in it. Well, it was Angel Garza versus Drew Gulak, and it was great. Like, oh, so good. <laughs> I loved this match. We've talked before on the show about how WWE just doesn't seem to be able to use Angel Garza properly. But I'm hoping that changes now that the crowds are back. When he tore the pants off, women in the crowd went nuts. Like, it was incredible. His work with the crowd, his charisma. It's easy to forget how perfectly Garza plays to the crowd and with the crowd because most of our experience with Garza on the main roster for, like, the last year and a half has been without crowds. And working the crowd is one of his greatest attributes. So it will really be exciting to see if he can kind of capitalize on that charisma. We've seen people like Brian Danielson use it, and, you know, like, they just cannot be denied because of their ability and charisma. It's rare, but if anybody can do it it's angel garza mm-hmm. he has a great look uh, just he, he's a total package this was such a cool match the last time these two met was actually on raw where garza shoved a rose up gulak's ass so you know there's bad blood there there has to be somebody shoves a rose up your ass there's bad blood that's like you, one of you the don't forget life. that <laughs> you no. just don't forget that and Garza was here to add insult to injury because he was the star of the match. I've mentioned how he worked the crowd, but his work in the ring was even better. Everything looked so effortless and crisp. He had a bridge German suplex for a two count that looked just stunning. The wing clipper finisher was fantastic. This match was far too good to have been stuck on main event, especially considering what they've been giving us on Raw lately, like, they they messed up. Everybody should have seen this one. People would be this is yeah, this was a great, great match. It's on Hulu on main event. I think main event's also on Peacock, but I'm not certain. I can't confirm that. The match is also on YouTube. Oh and we know that excellent. the WWE looks at the YouTube views. So if you want them to notice this and decide maybe to put more more time into matches like this, go on YouTube and watch it a, like a dozen times. Yeah, and I'll have to watch it on bored. YouTube again. It was it's <laughs> yeah. worth watching again. Like it was yeah. an incredible match. And I also want to do a, a blatant bit of self promotion because you're referencing a conversation we had on the Chairshot Network when we're talking about Angel. So, yes. Yeah. Uh, just uh, this week. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we we were on uh, the Wednesday edition of Chairshot Radio. Uh, which you can find on thechairshot.com. You may be listening to us on thechairshot.com uh, because we also air the Lucha Central Weekly podcast on that network. But uh, we had a great discussion uh, on the Wednesday edition of Chairshot Radio as far as the good, the bad, and how to fix you know Lucha Libre in the USA. Um, and Angel Garza was mentioned quite a few times. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he's got everything it takes to be a star. He has everything. Uh, you know, you talk about grabbing the brass ring. I He's grabbed it in every appearance he's made. He's made the best of literally every single thing WWE's given him, and he's still on main event. So, yeah, check out the podcast at chairshot.com. It's, we got a lot to talk about there. But we also <laughs> had SmackDown this week. Friday night on SmackDown, we had Jimmy Uso with Jay at ringside against Dominic Mysterio with Ray at ringside. 
Dominic jumped Jimmy right away as the match starts. He looked really great and very dominant until Jay was able to pull his brother out of a 619 attempt. Then Ray Mysterio got involved by hitting Jay Uso with the seated senton. We go to commercial. After we come back, Dominic is still the dominant wrestler. He attempts a three amigos in homage to his poppy, but Jimmy was able to fight him off before eating a frog splash and a 619. But after a distraction outside the ring with Ray and Jay fighting, Dominic ate a super kick from Jimmy, and then the Usos did the worst Samoan drop I have ever <laughs> seen. I mean, it, look for it on Botchamania. It was bad. I mean, ugh. Uh, somehow, even after that travesty, Jimmy Uso still won with Jay leaning on him behind the ref's back. It was what it was, I guess, but it wasn't good. <laughs> I, I want to point out that this is saying a lot because they were in the 90s. There were a lot of people who did Samoan drops, and most of them were not good. Yeah, so. it, this one was bad. <laughs> the I bar mean, has, was already low. And <laughs> it kept under. They limboed right under the bar. I can't yeah. even see it behind them now. <laughs> But at least we're getting the – seems like the story is going further with the Mysterios. We saw them recently paired with Edge. You know, it looks like John Cena is coming into the picture maybe against Roman. And so it would be very high profile to put the Mysterios and John Cena together. It's about as good as you could get in WWE, short of being world champion. So that's exciting. I hope this is what it's building to. But right now, they're just kind of making the Mysterios look like chumps, and I don't care for it. Yeah. Um, a lot of regression just to make yeah. Usos look better, so to make Roman look better, which is ultimately mm-hmm. what this the end result. Thing is about. Yeah. 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 This is what, you know, it's all, it's all to make Roman look strong. <laughs> it is. I mean, like he's uh, we we mentioned John Cena, but that's really the thing. It's like Roman is unbeatable. Roman is, you know, you can't outstrength him. You know, everything. Like he he's smarter than you. He's stronger than you, and he looks better than you. And at WWE wants to make sure that you never forget it. So, well, in fairness, <laughs> they need to cement him in that position because we also spent years just hating the the Roman push. Yes. <laughs> Forever people wanted them to turn him heel, and as soon as they did, people were like, yes, Roman. You know, yeah. like, that's what <laughs> well, they wanted. Yeah, exactly. They could have done that a long time ago, but they oh, needed yeah. to, to see all the things that weren't working. Yeah, oh, that's true. But because they spent so long not doing it, they do have to remind us all the time that Roman is king heel right now. King heel. Well, and the touch of putting him with Paul Heyman was excellent because it gets that – not quite that Brock Lesnar rub, but we get that vibe that this is the guy. He's the top guy. You know, it's almost impossible to beat him just because of that association we saw between Heyman and Brock Lesnar. And really, Heyman is more deferential to Roman than he was to Brock, which is interesting too. And yeah, great dynamic. I like what they're doing. I just wish it wasn't at the expense of the Mysterios and to make the Usos look strong. There's been you know, I, some I, issues with the Usos lately, but 
you know. <laughs> I agree. I don't like it at the expense of the Mysterios. I just I'm also being a little fair that they they do need to do this. Uh, they yeah. Well, and truly one of the highest profile. I mean, Rey Mysterio is a legend, and if you want your guys to look dominant and tough and smarter than the other guys, somebody like Rey Mysterio. If you can get over on him, you could beat almost any. He's been everywhere. He's done everything there is. And so, yeah, I mean, it, it does make them look much stronger than they are. And I like that, it, you know, more, more dominant, I guess, than they were. It's, it's advancing the Usos, but mm-hmm. yeah, I just wish that they had somebody else, but it would probably be Lucha House Party and I would still be just as disappointed. So. I'd be more disappointed because that's more of the same. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, check out LuchaCentral.com every, you know, after the shows, we'll have SmackDown, Raw, maybe main event updates. We'll keep covering them on the show each week and we will be back next week with all of the new WWE happenings. Thank you, Dusty. Up next, we're going to go into this week's NXT uh, and some pretty big moments that are setting some things up for uh, the next takeover. First off, Samoa Joe came out uh, towards the beginning of the show and pretty much asked William Regal three things. One is that he wanted to resign from his position, uh, effective, I guess, immediately as I forget the formal title, some kind of special enforcer. He wanted to be reactive, reactivated uh, as part of the NXT roster. And he wanted a chance at Karrion Cross at TakeOver 36. And all three conditions were met. So we are going to see Karrion Cross versus Samoa Joe uh, at TakeOver 36. Um, and this is going to be, you know, really a fight that fans are just, you know, thrilled to see, um, you know, it, it does kind of feel like we already know what's going to happen um, based off of Karrion's presence on Monday Night Raw. But who knows? You know, they may decide to pull the plug on that or they may decide to do something. I find it very interesting now, too, that if Samoa Joe is back as an active roster member on NXT, does that mean we may eventually see him on one of the other shows too? So that's just wishful thinking. Uh, but we do have that set for NXT TakeOver 36, Samoa Joe versus Karrion Cross. Next up, really one of the biggest highlights and moments of the night uh, was when Raquel Gonzalez came out to address the NXT Women's Division. She came out with Dakota Kai, and Raquel Gonzalez just said the truth. She's beaten you know, a good portion of the Women's Division uh, with Zia Lee last week. She's also uh, you know, beat Mercedes Martinez. Uh, she also, uh, gosh, I'm trying to remember everyone that she's faced, um, but I mean, she's she's you know she's, really yeah. established Ember Moon, um, Chelsea Blackheart. So she has already established herself as one of you know the you know most dominant NXT Women's Champions in in the history of NXT. Um, and Dakota Kai, you know, stepped in saying that you know as long as uh, Dakota Kai was going to be in her corner, she had her back. She'd always be champion. However. Well, that that was the case up until the point where Dakota, Dakota Kai gave her the running boot to the face uh, of Raquel Gonzalez. So it does look like now 
really over a year and a half after they first came together, we finally are getting the Dakota Kai Raquel Gonzalez feud, and it's likely for the NXT Women's Championship. So that does seem as well like something we're going to get at TakeOver 36. And with the history that they have, the partnership that they started with, and now, you know, progressing on to this program, it's very exciting. Though I don't know, you know, Dakota Kai is being presented as the heel in this, but Raquel isn't necessarily a pure baby face. So I'm very no. interested to see how they're going to play off this dynamic uh, because Gonzalez has been the heel in a lot of her programs uh, mm-hmm. since becoming the, well, even before becoming uh, the women's champion. Uh, but as women's champion has been the, the heel in, in mostly all of her matches, if all of them. So now that they're presenting Dakota Kai as the heel, it is very interesting. I also am very fascinated to see how this will go in the ring because of the obvious size difference other than Dakota Kai knowing Raquel Gonzalez better than anyone so maybe being able to counter some of those big power moves that she makes um, so I'm this is going to be something that I'm going to be keeping an eye out for <laughs> over the next few weeks and I have a feeling we're going to see that build up to uh, take over 36 everybody that listens to the show knows that I'm watching this like yeah oh. Like, yes. uh, <laughs> exciting. But, uh, I, so I, I mean, I think the timing on, on this move is perfect. I think, uh, to the point that they made in the promo that you were referencing, she has cleaned out most of the upper half of the women's division in NXT at this point. The easiest way to add, um, kind of impetus and, and, and curiosity on it is to have her be more of the baby face now. And that the way that you pull the trigger on that is you have this inevitable betrayal. We all knew it was going to happen. Yes. Like yes. from the moment they announced that they were hanging out together, we knew one of them was going to turn on the other one and it was just a matter of time. Uh, but I feel like this is the beginning of a big face turn for Raquel and we're going to get to see a slight change in attitude and, and style. And that's really exciting to me. So, uh, this uh, this could be the beginning of something really cool and really big in Raquel's career, and it's very exciting to me. It is. Up next, we had a fun match. Uh, Casey Canzaro and Kaden Carter versus Jesse Kamea and Frankie Monet. Again, Frankie Monet has seemingly started to kind of take over the Robert Stone brand. Um, no Aaliyah. Uh, again, we haven't officially seen her on another brand, but it was rumored that there was some type of internal trade between Mandy Rose and Aaliyah. Um, so she is no longer with the Robert Stone, bro, uh, the Robert Stone brand. Frankie Monet has kind of inserted herself somewhat as kind of the new leader. Um, and as we always talk about, and I mentioned Casey Catanzaro and Caitlin Carter always seem to be doing just whether in leaps and bounds or minor changes but every match um is some great improvement and this was just a very fun match um there was a distraction towards the end of the match where robert stone threw in his purse and he tried to get frankie to use it but she didn't know what to do with it it only distracted her and then due to the distraction uh casey and and kaden were able to hit their combination their their finishing maneuver which is a net breaker uh by kaden into that 450 splash by casey um, I'm sorry. And, did you say he threw in his purse? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. His purse. Okay. It was awesome. Like hilarious. Yeah. I, I, he has a purse. I did. Okay. 
I, for those of you who I only it's just... a sat- I mean, it could be a satchel. It could be a. Uh, I'm not exactly sure. It's a purse. My European carry all. <laughs> yeah, his bag. He threw it in. <laughs> no, I, I just I had to clarify this. You said it that way, and I'm like, Miranda does not like choose her words. Shelter, shelter. So I wanted to yeah. clarify. In doing my research as well, lots of sources claimed that this was a purse. So I did decide to go with the majority description. Uh, I, I, I thought it was a purse. So yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Carry on. I'm sorry. I just wanted yes, to clarify yes. that point. Let the record show that the, the audience has declared it a purse. Um, we did see, you know, again, just just uh, some dissension between Robert Stone and Frankie Monet. Much more of a comical storyline right now, which, again, Frankie's forte. We saw that all in Impact. Same thing with Robert Stone, too, when he was in Impact as well. So kind of leveraging that humorous side um, in this story. You know, it's an end to a means. Hopefully they build her up to be a title contender, which I absolutely would see something for her for. But also career longevity and thinking about what the WWE likes. They like people who are able to do a little bit of everything. Um, and, and we're starting to see NXT being a little bit more on the comedic side with some of their, you know, certain storylines. The last thing I want to mention for NXT was a little bit of a confrontation between Legado de Fantasma and Hit Row. Uh, Hit Row was facing Imperium um, kind of as a way to establish, you know, possibly some new uh, number one tag team contenders. Um, during that match, Santos Escobar came out and he sent Joaquin Wilde and Mendoza, Raul Mendoza out uh, to cause a distraction. Um, however, and, and it did seem to work. Um, you know, they, they caused enough of a distraction for Imperium to win. And then after the match, Top Dalla, uh, came out or, yeah, no, I'm sorry, he was out. Uh, Top Dalla, uh, laid out, uh, pretty much everyone in, uh, Legado de Fantasma. Um, and then they were kind of sent running away by Isaiah Swerve Scott when he, uh, took out a steel chair. So I believe next week we are going to get Hit Row versus Legado de Fantasma in action in a match, um, which kind of surprised me. I thought maybe they were going to do this build up more towards TakeOver, uh, but maybe they do, you know, the trios action next week to build up maybe to a singles match at TakeOver uh, between Swerve and uh, Santos. But um, that storyline is continuing. And if anything, again, I mean, to have this kind of uh, faction warfare within NXT this way is is pretty good for the mm-hmm. NXT mid card. So a you know, overall, this episode is truly working to build up to some big things um, at TakeOver 36, which is happening Sunday. Uh, that is August 22nd. Yes. Big weekend, big weekend. Lots of wrestling happening in Las Vegas, as we've been teasing. Yes, yes. Yeah. Up next, Brendan, uh, we have some news in Ring of Honor. Well, yeah, it's kind of a weird mixed bag. So on Ring of Honor TV this week, there was not really anything Lucha-centric. Uh, so I still recommend watching it. The content was good. It was, it was some fun and interesting stuff. But if you are... Pressed for time, and you do, and you're only here to find out where to find your lucha content. It wasn't this wasn't your episode this week. Um, the uh, but then we got announcements for big stuff in the future, and I'm going to start with the the close 
timeline the closest. The Women of Honor tournament begins. The quest for gold begins soon. And they have announced one of the first round pairings, which goes back to my theory of Lucha and Lucha violence, because the first round pairing that they uh, that I'm looking at right now is Alex Gracia and Miranda Alice. So uh, the two it's a big one. It's going to be a banger of a match. And I'm super excited that it's a banger of a match. But it means one of these two women isn't going to continue on past the first round. And then we talked about (laughs) that in tournaments all the time where, you know, sometimes they'll do different styles in first round matches. Mm -hmm. But it seems a lot with Lucha styles, they will pair them up in tournaments early on. In the opening round. That's that's why I always call it the Lucha on Lucha violence. It's just it's it's (laughs) terrible. Um it's terrible in that respect. It's awesome in that you get to see, uh, you know, you get a guaranteed banger match in the early round. So, uh, that starts this weekend. Um, do tune in for that match. We will definitely be talking about that next week because, uh, as we've established, these are both women with uh, significant Lucha backgrounds. Uh, they, uh, one of them represents it a little more, but they both have it. So, uh, check that out. Then, uh, they announced more matches for, uh, for, uh, the t- Glory by Honor. Uh, the, this time we're focusing on night two. So last week we announced a couple of matches for night one, which was, uh, the big one being LFI versus, uh, violence in a, in a big faction versus faction brawl. Uh, but, uh, this week we're getting, uh, night two announcements and there's, it's a little more nuanced and it's kind of interesting stuff. So first we got Flip Gordon is going to team with Demonic Flamita against the Briscoes. So you have, uh, you, you have Flamita here, who's being evil, uh, and Flip Gordon, who's, uh, the mercenary, so he's evil more often than he's good, against the Briscoes, who are doing this big comeback story. So I'm gonna guess the Briscoes are probably gonna win, but man is, since it's on a pay-per-view, it's gonna be a barn burner of a match. Uh, hopefully Flamita has his breakout performance here. I really want him to do better in ROH and he's good but he can be at that top tier right next to Bandito which brings me to the next announced announced match which is Bandito and Ray Orus versus Roosh and Dragon Lee like this is uh this is for a a throwaway tag team match that's supposed to just build the around the, te- the main event scene this is amazing and and I'm I'm super happy that it's uh, on a pay per view because it's going to be longer and more exciting as a result of this. The main story obviously is Bandito and Roosh who are feuding over the the championship at this time. But you also have Dragon Lee who they are officially saying on ROH channel. So this is story now that he was a little hesitant to attack. Uh, uh, Bandito when he won. So there may be a little bit of shifting of factions going on here. Dragon Lee may be leaving LFI or he may be clashing with LFI. Lots of fun things could be coming out of this. And then you have Ray Orus who, uh, is just always good. Just always good. So, I mean, uh, I, I, I always say this about their pay-per-views. I always, always know I'm going to wind up doing it, but then they give me a couple of match announcements and I'm like, okay, you've, uh, Already earned my my uh, thirty dollars or my honor club membership or whatever it is you're going to charge me to watch these things. I believe these are going to both be available on Honor Club. Uh, this is again 
that same SummerSlam weekend. This is going to be the 20th and 21st. So lots of wrestling content for you to catch. Even if you're not in Las Vegas, there will be lots of wrestling content for you to watch and lots of Lucha content. Um, but that's, that's ROH. Did you have anything you needed to add to this, Miranda? I know, uh, no, it was just, yeah, the, the, uh, quest for gold tournament, like you said, uh, first round matchups are happening, uh, very soon. And yes, the, the Miranda Alize, uh, versus Alex Gracia matchup is one I'm, I'm very much looking forward to. But also a bummer that that means one of them will not continue on. <laughs> right. Uh, so make sure you, you stay tuned. Ring of Honor, uh, is continuously having great Lucha Libre content and it's only adding more, uh, with the quest for gold tournament starting very soon. Brennan, you, uh, talked a bit about, you know, that weekend being very popular. We t- already talked about NXT. We talked about WWE, NXT, Ring of Honor. And now, if you don't mind, uh, there's a few events happening uh during SummerSlam weekend that I know you want to let our listeners know about. So go ahead. Well, I'm going to start with the 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 ones that are close to home here. Mask Republic is sponsoring a, a couple of signings that are or not just some signings and some other and and a live podcast. So uh there there is going to be as they tend to like to do a keeping it 100 live event uh which will be taking place at the Nerd Bar on the on Friday the 20th. Uh, the tickets are available for that at um, Lucha Central's Lucha Shop. It, they're going quick. It is going to probably sell out. But the other one, uh, which is kind of a big deal, and I haven't heard much about it yet, so I really am excited about this. There's going to be an Andrade signing, also at the Nerd Bar. And tickets are available at uh, Lucha Shop as well. LuchaShop.com, or you can go to Lucha, um, the, to Mass Republic to get the link, or you can just Google Andrade in Las Vegas, and it's the top hit. Uh, that's how I got there to start with. But you know, give us give us some clicks. Go to go to some of the our websites first, please. Yes, yes. You can also go to uh, Nerd Bar, Nerd Bar yeah. LV on Instagram. Um, they also have links uh, on where you can buy uh, tickets for that meet and greet and also for the Keeping It 100 live show. Yeah, and the Nerd Bar is hosting, for those of you who are going to be in Las Vegas, is hosting wrestling-themed events the whole weekend. So you've got some 80s wrestlers. You've even got Misha Tate, who's an amateur wrestler and MMA star. Uh, and you've got, uh, modern indie wrestlers, the Andrade signing, the Keeping It 100 podcast. So the Nerd Bar will be a great place to be if you're in Las Vegas that weekend. Mm-hmm. There Thanks. is, yeah. <laughs> did you, did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Or? Uh, just that it's, it's gonna be part of a larger event called World Wrestling Fest that's happening throughout that weekend. Uh, just an interesting note here. I'm looking at the flyer. Not, necessarily related to uh mass republic but lucha related apparently hulvi the man himself that we talked about is oh, a, yes. going to be a special guest dj he's gonna have oh a my gosh DJ yes these are that is incredible so dusty are- i know you weren't you're not going but if you want to see Hoobie <laughs> do a dj set, oh i really do <laughs> kind of need to come to vegas uh. So these My are heart broke this now. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Dusty. Oh, yeah. 
Uh, both both things that they did during the Lucha Expo in Las Vegas at the Nerd Bar as well. Um, spoiler, Dusty, Hoovy was late to his own gig. Uh, <laughs> well, Axl Rose is too, so maybe it's his trademark quality. <laughs> but uh, a good time was had, and you can probably look forward to the possibility of Hoovy doing this at Expo Lucha. So I can wrap that around Excellent. and make kind of fast Republic again. Uh, there are other, uh, there's going to be other indie Lucha matches going on over the weekend in Las Vegas. Uh, I'm. I, so I will be in attendance at a few of those, but those, I really wanted to highlight the Andrade and keeping it 100 because not only are our bosses doing it, but those are legit exciting events that you uh, you really want to have a chance to. And I'm sure they'll put the audio up for the keeping it 100 at some point. So yeah, that's keep on reminding you all don't forget you know don't worry we'll keep on plugging in those reminders over the next few weeks just to make sure you know what's going down in las vegas at SummerSlam weekend because and these are all things just within you know the past few days brendan and i have started to learn more about and started to really uh push out there so it's yeah yeah I started talking to uh, Ruben with Mass Republic, so hopefully we'll start getting more details on other things that are going to be happening. But keep your ears open. Yes. Keep your ears open. All right. Up next, you know, it's that time of the episode. Every week we bring you This Week in Lucha Libre History with Dusty. Yeah, that's right. It's time for This Week in Lucha Libre History. Be sure to check in at LuchaCentral.com every single day for this day in Lucha Libre by Pep Carrera for information, birth dates, anniversaries, matches of the day, amazing videos, and even more. And it's all free, and it's all about Lucha Libre at LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. This week, we've broken from our usual format, and we're honoring Legends of Lucha Libre superstar Jose Luis Alvarado, known in the ring as Brazo de Plata and Super Porky. He tragically passed away earlier this week at the age of 58. The Alvarado family legacy is huge in Lucha, especially in Mexico. It all started with Shadito Cruz, who was a luchador, and he was father to the Los Brazos team. And they quickly became one of the most popular and influential families in all of wrestling, but especially Lucha. The Brazos were well known throughout Mexico and the southwestern United States for their trio's work. But the legacy continued beyond that, with Jose having been the father of Maximo, Goya Kong, and Psycho Clown, who originally debuted as Brazo de Plata Jr. before getting his own character. Other members of the younger generation of the Brazo family slash Alvarado family are their cousins, La Mascara and Aramis, who you may be aware of. We've talked about Aramis a lot on the show. So, yeah, I mean, like a big family, their influence, their power and their impact in Lucha Libre as a family cannot be denied. Jose started out at the age of 14 on the independent circuit, and by 1981, at the age of 18, he had won the NWA America's Tag Team Championship and the NWA World Tag Team Championship with his brother Brazo de Oro while working for NWA Hollywood. Then they later went back to Mexico and joined CMLL. He had a 20-year run there from 1985 to 2005. 
He left CMLL to go work for WWE in their ill-fated juniors division on SmackDown. And it was here that he officially gained the moniker Super Porky, but he never really saw much in-ring action, no real in-ring match in WWE. So he went back to Mexico and he joined AAA for the first time in 2006. And he stayed with them until 2009 before going back to the independent circuit for the rest of his career. But a lot of times you, the older guys, the independent circuit, it's nothing exciting, just appearances, but not for Super Porky. He wrestled for IWRG. He wrestled for Perros Del Mall. He even went back to CMLL and wrestled matches. He, he also, in his career, competed in at least 37 of Puestas matches, and he won 23 of those 37 with some incredible winning streaks in there. And this week, we are focusing on two trios matches he was part of during his run with the Brazos. They were chosen for us and for the show this week by our fearless leader, Mr. Kevin Kleinrock. So he deserves all the credit for the choices. <laughs> I mean, great, great matchups. Our first match is from October the 21st, 1988, in the Huevo Leon, when Los Brazos faced Los Vianos in a mask versus mask team apuestas match. Yeah. Alvarado family versus Mendoza family. Incredible. It was the capstone and one of the most famous and bloody feuds in Lucha history, especially for the trios in Lucha history <laughs> before they lost their masks. But that did nothing to hinder Los Brazos. They enjoyed top-of-the-card popularity for several more years. And in an interesting note, at the time, it was seen as almost sacrilege that this match occurred in Nuevo Leon because they had taken a bigger payment to have the match there instead of in Mexico City. And so they were seen as kind of selling out to get the mm-hmm. biggest payday for their Poistas <laughs> match instead of having it where they'd had their most bloody battles. Kind of an interesting touch. It wouldn't be as big of a deal now, I don't think, but it was interesting that it was then. This was a best of three falls match with each team winning a fall. And then in the final fall, the eliminations began, leaving only the older brothers before Viano won, defeated Brazo de Oro, and the Brazos were unmasked. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it can't be understated how how important this is to Lucha Libre. This one match. Yes. Uh, the uh, the um, famously, we've talked about that on the show, but I'm going to remind people. Famously, trios didn't happen until the emergence yeah. of the Brazos, the Vianos, and um, the Missionaries de la Muerte, right? And and those three mm-hmm. all were doing the bloody feud. This was the first time we'd had an Apuestas match. For multiple masks, uh, I believe that may yeah. not be. I believe it's the first trio versus trio mask versus yeah. mask mm-hmm. voices match. Yeah, and they had been masked for about a decade apiece. Well, the Viano yeah. since the early seventies, I believe, yeah, and okay. so it was a, a very important match in Mexico. Two of the most famous matches masks in all of Mexico at that time. Like, oh, I mean, absolutely. Everybody knows Santo, but at the same time, they knew that yeah. pink panther mask and they knew those Brazo masks. Like they would everybody would be able to pick those out of a crowd. Sorry, I, I just yeah, keep buttoning no. with Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, 
As I was going to say, I think for me, the biggest thing was really how they revolutionized trios wrestling and that being such a unique aspect in Mexico that I think, you know, eventually grew out to other parts of the world. And to to me, that was something I was not as aware of until learning and, and you know, watching the videos and um, just being able to read more uh, about the you know, uh, the beginning of Brazo de Plata's career and the entire family build. Um, and really having, as you said, Dusty, he's worked literally a, a little bit everywhere, mm-hmm. uh, especially with, with CMLL in North America here, in AAA, uh, in IWRG. And I think just not only that, but the presence as a family unit in a much bigger way. Um, again, in, in so, especially in Lucha Libre, family dynasties, you know, are, are cornerstone of wrestling there. And that is a family business. You know, so without Prado de Plata, we wouldn't have some of the other wrestlers that we have now or have seen prior to. So it very feels much more like a domino effect and how his presence not only influenced a specific type of wrestling within uh, trios wrestling, but also the family lineage and how we still see that to this day. Mm-hmm. I And I want to touch on his WWE run, too, because Dusty mentioned that it was part I'd completely forgotten. It was part yeah. of their. Uh, I, I remember Super Porky and I remember yeah. a very, but that's, and so that's the point I want to make. He was bigger than the, than the, the story they were bringing him into. Like, absolutely. I, if you say the name Super Porky, people who were watching and, wrestling at yeah. that time know who we're talking about. They couldn't tell you that he was in a feud with Mr. Jerry, with Mr. JL, uh, <laughs> unless yeah. they Googled it, right? But like, you know, yeah, that was, uh, um, so so that tells you a lot about the charisma and impact of this man that he can come to another country and have a have a fantastic run with a minimum of wrestling just yeah. in, you know in another in another language in another country mm-hmm. people remember him they don't remember any of the garbage that surrounded all of that and I'm sorry, Vince McMahon, but that was not good. Um, yeah. You know, but yeah, he was good. He was a shining star in that. So that tells you a lot about the importance of this man, the skill of this man. Um, yeah, I'm going to keep ranting. So go, carry on, Dusty. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a testament to how over he is and like his work as a entertainer in addition to his work as a wrestler. He, Yeah, he was incredible the second match we had this week was also a trios match between los brazos and los fantasticos comprised of kung fu kato kung lee and blackman they were a team comprised of three different luchadors who all had martial arts backgrounds and martial arts based characters when that was very popular and they provided a fun and high flying style to contrast the Brazos map based offense. Up until this point, they had largely been bloody brawlers, like in their feud with Fianos. Mm-hmm. And so this was, you know, a nice, interesting change. Uh, what did you think of this match, Brendan? Well, so we talked a lot about uh, his his comedy aspects and we talked a lot. Of, you mentioned so to to relate this to our regular vernacular here, this was very much at the surface a Texas versus California match. You had, yes. you had 
the brawling style and, and then you had the more high flying uh energetic style but you got to see so much of an injection of comedy and it wasn't in, in like an offensive like why are you stopping the match for this comedy bit uh, sort of way but it it really kept the pace fun and interesting like you it, it wasn't just i'm tired of seeing somebody get beat up it, there was um you know the, it was all kinds of engaging and then you could even like the Brazos did comedy on their their side of it too like uh at one point one of them got thrown into a chair and he did it in this really over the top physical way where his butt wound up in the air and he just kind of held that pose for like a, a half minute while the camera was on him and then uh, his friend had to pull him out of the chair. It was, you know, good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it just showed the diversity of this team. And part of the magic is that they could do a little bit of everything, too. Like, to, we talked about the Absolutely. WWE, like, guys that could do a little bit of everything. Um, but what I found myself noticing with that is that, like, they can do a little bit of everything, but they found the the magic to make it work in the match. Uh, and I'm going to throw, I don't want to throw specific names out there, but there are teams that did do spots very similar to what I saw in this match that are on major promotions right now that I don't like their, the pacing of the match or the, how their spots are injected. And I was looking at it going, but this is the same thing. Why do I like this? And I don't like the way they're doing it. And I just, there's something intangible about the way they did it that made me like it versus what the other teams are doing that I don't like. So that was kind of my my big takeaway. Miranda? I think the only thing for me, more out of curiosity, is how much of that was planned and how much of that was just going with the flow with the <laughs> right. comedy. Like, that was really, it's like, I wonder how much of this did they maybe lay out? And I, and I know a lot in, in wrestling in general, some of the best, funniest spots are just the ones that kind of fall into place. And yeah, so I felt like the action in this match was a great balance of entertaining. Um, I think it's really hard balance of entertaining, but also, you know, you had your physical action Um, and that felt like, you know, something that you could plug in now in in a TV episode for a major promotion. And I think, you know, you would still get that exact fan reaction. And that fan, you know, the the balance of humorous, but also entertaining and exciting as a as a wrestling match. But yeah, that was the only thing I was, you know, the great mystery uh, to me is I wonder how much did they did they plan? And as they were planning it, you know, exactly that, you know, a lot of times when you're just having fun in a match, it's just because of things that, you know, happen or you come up with the spot that, you know, you think is hilarious or would be fun and, and the crowd receives it way better than than anticipated. Maybe that was is all the difference. Maybe it was those matches were more organic and it feels mm-hmm. more forced when the other yeah. teams are doing it these days. Oh. Yeah. Good yeah. point. Yeah. So, yeah. Classic. Good point. Yeah, and check out LuchaCentral.com. They have tons of stuff with uh, Brazo de Plata or Super Parky, however you want to refer to them. Tons of content. Check out YouTube. The matches we discussed are on YouTube. Definitely go check him out. The legacy he left behind, it, it was hard to recognize, I think, during his lifetime. But now that he's passed, I think we're going to see him for 
what he was. And it's mm-hmm. interesting how much more content there is available now than there was just a few months ago. Like people are really thinking about him. There's tons of stuff. Yeah. So check yeah. out Super Porky slash Brazo de Plata online. Definitely check out LuchaCentral.com. They've got information and a tribute to him there as well. Thank you, Dusty. I mean, you already mentioned some of the great things that are available on LuchaCentral.com. But, Brendan, do you mind telling our listeners what else they can find on LuchaCentral.com? Let's do this. So if you're listening to this and you haven't visited LuchaCentral.com, it's really time to do it. LuchaCentral.com is your online home for Lucha Libre, where you can get all of the top news in English and in Spanish. Find the best curated video content and original content not seen anywhere else. Find when Lucha Libre events will be happening in your area. Find photo galleries from top photographers covering Lucha Libre around the world. A place to have your voices heard from weekly polls to annual awards seen and read by top executives and all of the major Lucha Libre promotions across the globe. And here we go. This is the, this is it. If that, if you haven't gone there because you're afraid that, you know, something weird is going to happen and I'm going to run out and steal your credit card or whatever, it's not going to happen. It's free. It's free. I will, your, your money is safe in the hands of LuchaCentral.com because they're not going to charge you for showing up. You may buy a bunch of merchandise like I do, but that's, that's on you. LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. We're going to jump into some impact wrestling, and we're going to be doing things a, a little bit differently uh, for this segment because there's two stories that I want to talk about and get a, some thoughts from, from Dusty and Brendan. Uh and again, this is take it with a, a grain of salt. What Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer Newsletter reported two stories in, over the past week about uh, people who may be coming to Impact, people who should have come to Impact. I'll start with the first one as who should have been in Impact. And that was Andrade. Uh, he did report that there was plans to have Andrade show up at the end of Slammiversary instead of Jay White. Um, and that they were going to do uh, a program with Andrade, who would be managed by Conan, against Kenny Omega, and that Kenny Omega would be teaming up, of course, with Gallows and Anderson, and then Andrade would team up with, with two other people, and they'd be doing some trios work up until Triple Mania, and that's when we finally see the one-on-one match. However, uh, Impact and Andrade couldn't come into a deal in time enough for uh, the show. And then he also reported that uh, Impact Wrestling is, is wanting and is expecting the return of Laredo Kid very soon. Um, though an uh, exact date hasn't been revealed, it does kind of align with the clips that we received or we've kind of the promo out there for Bound for Glory that's going to be scheduled for that is scheduled for October 23rd. Um, they have put out a promo in which they've showed AAA, New Japan, AEW possibly participating. So it wouldn't make sense to see a AAA star there. Laredo Kid uh, has worked for Impact before. He started with them back in May of 2017 where he teamed up with. Garza Jr. himself. Uh, he also had runs uh, in September uh, 2018 
and another run in 2019. His last match was on July 5th, 2019. So it's been a while since we've seen Laredo Kid, but I just want to get your thoughts on this. It's very interesting uh, as, again, Impact has been very open about working with other promotions. Uh, First, let's start out with Andrade. You know, what were your thoughts Mm -hmm. on, you know, whether he should have been the one instead of Jay White to come out, maybe are you surprised? Not surprised that they couldn't come to a, a, an agreement on this. I'm not well, surprised. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, no, go ahead. I'm I'm not surprised at all. That was actually, you know, we reported that. That was one of the hangups yeah. with getting a deal with AEW was that Andrade was very specific about wanting creative control, and a lot of places just aren't willing to kind of give up that obviously i mean even AEW wasn't like tony khan it was reported at least that tony khan agreed to listen to andrade's ideas about the finishes involving his character but that the final word was with him and that that was the big sticking point was he wanted creative control over his finishes so i can see especially at your biggest show of the year slammiversary where you might not want somebody that you're not a hundred percent certain will do exactly everything you want I mean, not that Andrade isn't professional, but there's been a lot of weird things that happened in Impact over the years. So I can see them being skittish when that was a sticking point for him. Mm-hmm. I I think that the uh, – so we've been complaining for a while now that they haven't been building anything for his Triple Mania match yeah. and any of this. And I now I'm beginning it, – it, this adds a, a an element of clarity to why that might have been – why this might be the case. They might have had right. plans to do this in in uh in impact. I kept wanting to say triple A, I'm sorry. In impact. They might have been wanting to do it in impact uh with this feud to to build to to give that momentum going into triple A and because of negotiation issues they couldn't do it. Um also, that's it. Go, yeah, go, go ahead, ahead, sorry. Uh, I was no, you can continue on your point. This is just kind of a side tangent. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, so that said, I don't think Jay White was the right fit for that. If they couldn't get Andrade, I don't think Jay White was the right guy for it because now you're building for New Japan and you're building for kind of a secondary thing in New Japan. I think if, if Impact Impact is getting the worst deal out of this forbidden doorway right now. Yeah, they really are. They're getting the short end <laughs> of the stick every single time. And but, uh, Chris yeah. Bay did get to join Bullet Club, so hopefully he'll get some of that merchandise money now. Well, yeah, I'll get into this week, you know, <laughs> and, and in fact, you know, wasn't quite yeah. a successful partnership, but anyways, <laughs> let's continue. But yeah, that, that was my thoughts, is that uh, to answer the question directly, no, I don't think that, uh, I think Andrade was the right choice and not Jay White because uh, it would have been better for Impact, it would have been better for AAA, it would have made this whole period that is supposed to be historic feel more historic and monumental whereas jay white feels more like an afterthought yeah it does now what are your thoughts real quick on laredo kid making a possible return to impact wrestling i'm excited the last time we saw well the first time we saw him come in was part of a lot of triple a talent sharing Mm -hmm. With Impact, we, we got to see Pentagon become World Heavyweight Champion in that period of time. And so I hope that this is, I mean, like, he's been there enough and he's familiar enough that I think even without the name cachet of somebody like being Pentagon Jr., that we could really see him in some important and exciting matches. We've seen his work against Kenny Omega. He's one of the best in the world. 
and hopefully a larger platform to display that. Like I, I'm really excited for his appearance in Impact. I think this is a much bigger deal for Impact than it is for Laredo Kid, but I think yeah. he can make the best of it and exploit that to move up to the next level too. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, I'm pretty much in the same area. I think Impact has already made, had success with him. He is a known commodity in Impact. They can build off of his history in Impact as well as his, as his presence as being one of the biggest indie stars right now to really do big things with him. Uh, this is one of the few areas where I feel like Impact is not getting screwed. They're getting the, uh, they're kind of getting a yeah. golden ticket with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I agree. Overall, I mean, this is really the place for cross, you know, promotional work and partnerships. Um, and if it's stories that lead to Bound for Glory or, you know, just a, a way to spice up the roster, because Impact does have more of a lean roster. You got to, you know, continue to add more to it, especially say if he does land in the X division. I mean, they've been playing with kind of the same key people now for, you know, over a year. So mm-hmm. to add somebody new to that, I think would breathe life into it. Or if they may be, you know, I don't know if we'll be after Andrade and Kenny at Triple Mania and they referenced, you know, Kenny and Laredo Kid again. Um, I don't, I don't know, but I do feel like there's a lot of options that they can explore and really kind of utilize in having someone who does have a bit of a crossover appeal like like Laredo Kid. So I, I agree that this would be something that Impact would actually benefit from and they wouldn't get the short end of the stick with that. <laughs> uh, I do want to make a note that uh, this week on Impact, we had two fairly interesting matches uh, of note. As kind of Dusty mentioned, Chris Bay getting some of that bullet club money maybe not yet because we did start off the show with the good brothers versus jay white and chris bay uh with the good brothers winning that match uh they ended up planting the magic killer on chris bay for the pin and it did seem like they had some pretty good you know teamwork uh at the beginning but it it wasn't successful enough to to get a win at the end who knows if this means we'll continue to see them together or because they weren't successful Maybe we're one and done. I I highly doubt it, but, um, you know, I do feel like the team of Jay White and Chris Bay should have some more. We need to explore that a little bit more. Yeah, Uh, I agree. And then we had uh, Rich Swan and Willie Mack versus Eric Young. uh, I'm sorry, uh, Violent by Design, uh, accompanied by Eric Young. Uh, We had uh, Rhino and Diener as the two competitors representing Violent by Design. And Rich Swan and Willie Mack won this match uh, with Rich Swan planting the 450 splash uh, on Rhino. So that is, you know, pretty good for, for Rich Swan and Willie Mack. They haven't had very many wins in the column as of late. Uh, and, uh, you know, even though the tag team championships are back on the Good Brothers, hopefully there's still a bigger story to tell with the tag team title scene. And also we are going to have, uh, Impact Wrestling Homecoming this Saturday, which is July 31st. We are going to crown the first ever uh, homecoming queen and king. So it's a mixed tag tournament happening throughout that night. And uh, as far as some interesting news, we did learn uh, Alicia Edwards and Hernandez are going to be teaming up. We also have some teams such as Matt Cardona and Chelsea Green. 
Falabon, Tasha Steeles, Petey Williams, and Jordan Grace. Um, but also tonight, Deanna Parazzo announced that she is going to be participating in that tournament. So we don't know who her partner is yet. So it could reveal maybe somebody big outside of the company uh, to be her partner. But, Daga. Uh, who? <laughs> yeah. Know, probably not, though. I no, almost definitely but, not. But um, you know, I want to throw that into the yes, universe. Yes, yes. Well, in fact, uh, on social media, they acknowledge that she has big matches coming up uh, in AAA for the Reina de Reinas Championship and for the NWA as part of their Empowered Tournament. So there is some acknowledgement that the woman is busy. She has things to do. And on top of that, she is going to be part of the King and Queen Tournament um, at Homecoming. Also at Homecoming, this will be a very interesting match, especially for Lucha Libre fans, is Josh Alexander will be defending the X Division Championship against Taurus. So, yes. Yeah, very exciting. So keep an eye out on that. I think that's going to be uh, probably one of the, the better wrestling matches of the entire night. And, and as someone with the size and strength of, you know, Josh Alexander, you also have Taurus who has size, strength, agility, all of the above. So and I'm speed I'm, and speed. Yeah. Yes. So I'm very, very intrigued by this. That's definitely going to be a match I have my eye on. Uh, I will be watching um, as part of Homecoming. So that is this week Impact Wrestling. Uh, as we talked about AAA, Dusty, you have a little bit of AAA news. Yeah, not not a whole lot, but Triple Mania is still slated to happen on Saturday, August the 14th, and it seems like that date is now set in stone regardless of what happens. Thanks, with the, uh, COVID, yeah, <laughs> it, it's interesting. But we're seeing small overtures. If you follow Sam Adonis on social media, you'll know he's back in Mexico for the first time since Rea de Reyes, which means moves are being made. Yeah. I kind of expected – I mean, he was very subtle to begin with, but he was literally posting pictures of rings today, So, like wrestling ring, the AAA ring. So it uh, moves are being made. I'd wager we may be having a press conference or some other big promotional event for Triple Mania within the next week. Uh, promotion pretty much has to ramp up in the next week to kind of build for some of these stories, especially not necessarily that they're cater- catering to an international audience. But when you have Deanna Perazzo and Kenny Omega there wrestling for championships, like you need your mm-hmm. international audience mm-hmm. regardless. So it'll be interesting to see what they kind of come up with and what they announce in the next week. Stay tuned to both LuchaCentral.com and the podcast for more info. As it becomes available, we'll have all the news next week. I I would uh, speculate that we've been quiet on Sam Adonis because AAA, as uh, Dusty's reported and I've I've been observant of, has pretty strict quarantining procedures. That So he probably had to stay in a hotel for a week and a half. Before they yeah. let him anywhere near anything. So I just wanted to, to tie that back in with some of this other COVID prep stuff we've been talking about. The government may not take the regulation seriously, but AAA has been a company that consistently has. So I uh, just wanted to toss that in there. So next in line, MLW, and they finally released the Battle Riot, which you can find on YouTube. It is free. The entire Battle Riot 3 is available to watch. It's almost about 90 minutes. 
um, which, you know, isn't surprising because it is a 40 man battle royal. Yeah. They. It's, it's more than a battle royal because they can get pinned and submitted. And yes. it's just madness. I was going to say. Yeah, it's, it, it's fun. Yeah, it, it's it is, so fun. It's definitely. Are you. I mean, I, I love the introduction. Is Are you ready to, to, to riot? I mean, it is not a royal, it is a battle yeah. riot. So as Brendan had mentioned, the rules are different where, of course, there is no disqualification, but you can do kind of traditional battle royal rules over the top rope. Uh, but people can also be eliminated by submission or pinfall. Um, so I do not envy the referees in this match because you are in the middle. Usually in battle royals, they can stay on the outside and, and they, uh, you know, can stay away from the action. But they had to have at least one ref in there or just one they, ref in there. They did have. They did have their ref staff on the floor for yes. those over the top mm-hmm. eliminations too. Yeah. I just, uh, I guess I don't envy the one ref that had to be. Yeah, in that there. <laughs> like I imagine they were all backstairs playing rock, paper, scissors. Like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, as, I, as the person who always watches the referees now that I've done some ref training, I, I did want to mention that too. So you led yeah. me right to it. Yes. So before we had the battle riot, the show opened with the proprietor, owner of Azteca Underground, Cesar Duran, formally coming out to welcome the audience. And, of course, the audience loved it. They ate it up. Um, and what I'm thinking and I was thinking when this was happening is I don't think we've ever seen Cesar Duran in a live audience like this. We remember seeing so. in Lucha yeah. Underground, but that was a TV show that was produced. Mm-hmm. Um, this time around, it was a live wrestling show. So I was curious to see how his demeanor, how his promos would come across in a live environment. And for me, overall, I thought it worked very well. I felt like you could get a sense of who Agreed. he was. The fans were receptive to it. You know, at first the fans were very inviting and welcoming, and then he kind of cut him down a little bit, which is just yeah. the, the right amount of El Jefe to do that. But um, they loved it that he did it. That yes. was- yeah, they chanted yes. louder for him. Yes. Yes. The lucha chants were incredible. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, so I thought that that was very cool to see this, uh, the essence of a character like Cesar Duran finally be in front of a live wrestling audience. And I, I think that this is a very good sign for what's ahead of, of Azteca Underground. Speaking of, he also revealed that MLW officials have also made him an official matchmaker. So he is going to have matchmaking uh, uh, power in yeah. MLW, which mm-hmm. that adds very much intrigue into, again, Azteca Underground and MLW and this whole dynamic Uh However, he was interrupted during his promo by Jordan Oliver and Myron Reed of Injustice. And there was a part where made me laugh where Caesar asked, who the F are you? Uh, <laughs> and that just was perfect. Like, yes, it's just the right amount of, of touch to this. Um, and they came out, they, you know, said that they wanted because uh, he now was a matchmaker that they wanted uh, a chance at the world tag team titles against Los Parks. And that is when we got the reveal of Conan and LAX. Uh, of course, the new LAX that we mentioned last week yes. uh, with Slice Boogie, Danny Limelight and Dr. Julius Smokes. Um, I know Danny and Slice have been getting the majority of, again, the limelight. Pun intended. Yeah. But, uh, but Dr. Julius Smokes came out, you know, uh, each of them were able to kind of to, to hype up the crowd. 
and Conan uh, pretty much said that LAX is could make a claim for the uh, tag team titles. And then a brawl came out between the, the two um, factions. And so the crowd pop, it was a great way to introduce Caesar. It was a great way to introduce the new LAX. Um, I hope that this is a program that we see in Justice versus LAX because uh, these yes. are some bad men who want to face each other. And if that means there's some implications for number one contendership in the tag titles, I'm also for that as well. I'm good. And, and Danny I, is now Danny Rivera instead of Danny Limelight? Well, so, yes, and that's a little historical. So Danny has previously in the ind- independent scene had gone by Rivera. Um, and actually in MLW, he's just going by Rivera, no Danny. Um, but his, he is also using the moniker the radioactive poppy so there's still some playing names in there but out here actually on the west coast he was a part of a tag team called los primos riveras um and he was danny rivera and his tag team partner was gino um and then he evolved into danny limelight and then now he's just he went to then to danny rivera and now he's just rivera so that if we follow that it's a little complicated but for those who know know that actually kind of makes sense. And yeah. that punk Oliver called him Limelight anyway. <laughs> well, I feel like Limelight is still part of the moniker. So I feel like whether it's going to yeah. be, it's going to somehow be incorporated into maybe an adjective or a descriptor instead of more of a, a noun. Um, we're getting proper into grammar uh, or part of his name or whatever. We, we bring uh, proper education on this show. Proper education. <laughs> but at least the way that He's being praised uh, on MLW television and MLW. He is just Rivera. Fascinating. Interesting. But next, though, we did have the uh, Battle Riot. And I'm just going to specifically list some of the Lucha Libre names uh, that were in the Battle Riot as far as their entrance numbers. I'm not getting into eliminations just because there was so much. You could find that all. It was so chaotic. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Just go to MLW's YouTube page. Again, the entire Battle Riot 3 is available for free. Uh, but you had TJP coming up at number three. I forgot he was a heel here, so the crowd booed him. Um, new signee Lee Moriarty came out at number four. Uh, Ares came out at number eight, and he came out with a, a really cool Falcon Arrow on uh, Moriarty. Uh, on Lee Moriarty, um, so automatically the fans were into it. Uh, Gringo Loco came out at number nine, and Zenshi came out at number ten. I do have to say, I think Zenshi had one of the more kind of electrifying performances, the more standout performances of Battle Riot. Um, I know that on social media, his double Pele kick is making the rounds. Um, he also had a moment where he flew outside of the ring onto the timekeeper's table. Um, so he, I, I think that, you know, when you have a battle royal, sometimes you do have, you know, certain people who make those performances that, that stand out and can help establish a career a la Johnny Mundo, a la, um, Kofi Kingston. I feel like this was, Zenshi's kind of standout moment uh, throughout yes. the Battle Riot. Yeah, so a big congratulations to Zenshi's performance at the Battle Riot. It was not easy. He came out at number 10. Um, we did see kind of a grouping of the Lucha Doors all in that. I mean, I mentioned Ares number 8, 
Gringo Loco number nine, Zenshin number 10, Adami's at number 11. Um, and he had such a cool Hurricane Rana on Gringo Loco. Um, mm-hmm. and then Gringo Loco held him up and changed that into a, uh, uh, yeah, he changed it into a tilt a whirl head scissors. So that I thought was a, a really fun sequence. Um, and great way to start for Adamis. Zaz, uh, Savio Vega came in at number 14 with the kendo stick because he ain't playing. Uh, number 17 and 18 were LAX. Slice Boogie came out at 17 and Rivera came out at 18. Matt Cross came out at 19. So, again, we're seeing there there was method to this madness. I, I do want to qualify. They it, LAX were allegedly two different numbers they just came out together so they're already establishing the lax vibe in by by doing that so yeah yeah Yeah, very cool um yes matt matt cross at number 19 we did have a spot where we thought we saw la park at 28 however (laughs) it was soon revealed that it was not la park whatsoever but tom lawler who had actually come out at number two and had been previously eliminated Coming back in the gear of L.A. Park, uh, one of the Von Erics, you know, unmasked him and we found out that he just tried to sneak his way in um, to this. Uh, a point of note, at 35, we had Alexander Hammerstone. 38 was King Huertes and 39 was Gina Medina. Hammerstone ended up winning the whole thing. So he now has the opportunity for a title shot uh, for the MLW uh, Heavyweight cha- Championship. And so this is something this is a much long carried out storyline um, between him and Contra. Um, uh, especially uh, against Jacob Fatu, who has pretty much said, I'm not giving you a title shot. Now he doesn't have any other choice because Alex Hammerstone has won the battle riot. So, um, again, if you have the time still, especially if you're really more focused on the Lucha Libre action, starting, I would say, you know, from number eight all the way to about, you know, uh, 20s, um, and even when you get into those late 30s, there's some really um, good points in there. And again, I just my personal opinion, I think Zenshi had one of the the biggest standout performances uh, of this entire battle riot. So uh, I hope that means good things along the way for him. It was also a great showing of all of the talent that they have drafted uh, for this. Uh, still not much information again how we're going to see Azteca Underground and MLW oh. combine or how they're going to interact. But maybe we'll start to see something with a new mini series that is going to premiere this August, and that is uh, MLW Fusion Alpha, which is going to be serving as a prelude to the Fusion Fall season. The way that the promo sets it up is that there's some dissension between MLW or within MLW sides are going to have to be taken. Uh, alliances may need to be formed. So maybe this is where we start to see the division between MLW and Azteca Underground. We already know within the draft there were specific wrestlers who were, you know, uh, uh, drafted on behalf of uh, Azteca Underground, like Matt Cross, who was specifically, you know, in, in his announcement, was drafted as part of Azteca Underground. And again, now that we know Cesar Duran is going to be a matchmaker, is that going to be exclusive to Azteca Underground? Is he also going to be able to to um, matchmake uh, 
or, or make matches for MLW talent. Who knows? Uh, but I do think that the Battle Riot was a great way to start off this new chapter in MLW and a great showing for all of the, the luchadors in this match. Um, and Fusion will be starting out fairly soon, but keep an eye out for Fusion Alpha that's going to be premiering soon in August. I, again, just want to jump in real quick. I don't think I heard you mention somebody, and I, I know you like to shout him out. Savio Vega and a masked gimmick that looked suspiciously like Savio Vega. Yes, I accidentally forgot about uh, Ikiro Kwan. Kwan? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, I, I did forget to mention that in all of my excitement. Uh, go ahead, Brendan, though. I'm going to let you take this one. Oh, well, I just, I, I know you because you, uh, always, you, uh, Tio, I believe you call him Tavio? Well, he is Tio. He is yeah. Tio Savio Vega uh, on yeah. the socials. Um, but he's Mike Tio, your Tio, he's everybody's Tio. <laughs> That's the way it goes. Tio and Togos. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to, to throw that in there. And then I was just amused by the fact that, um, that was a, a late, early nineties, WWE gimmick from the era of, of such wonderful things as Max Moon mm-hmm. and, and uh, they had Quan. Shout, the... shout out to Conan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was trying to think of uh, the other, there was another one that was uh, uh, just also neon and masked and awful. Uh, but <laughs> then you had, you had the, uh, the, this ninja gimmick and uh, I, I, uh, don't know if Savio did it the first time around, but that was it. It looked an awful lot like Savio Vega under the mask to me. This and time. I believe it was. I don't remember actually uh, <laughs> that point, but I did mention Savio as far as when he came in as number fourteen with the kendo stick, because uh, that kendo stick made its rounds throughout <laughs> the, the show. Rivera ended up getting his hands on the kendo stick as well, which did not make Savio Vega happy because you don't you don't cane the deal. Like, you it's get in true. trouble for painting your deal. He's, get your yeah. ass whooped. Yep. <laughs> you get the, oh, you, you, you put the kendo, but you get the shankla afterwards. <laughs> I, I, I'm hearing him try to form an alliance by saying, yeah. hey, Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico. So, you know. Well, you know, I mean, that was just implied. You got. You got oh, LAX. he specifically said it, though. Yeah. I loved it. I yeah. thought that uh, yeah. they turned on him anyway, but he did no, try. And I'm fairly certain that was him because he was he, uh, actually Samuel Vega was the first person eliminated. So, yeah, between when he was eliminated and, and you know, when uh, uh, Kiro uh, came out at number 32, there was plenty of time. There were a couple other masked gimmicks that are akin to that, but none of them were quite clearly someone else that we talk about on the show. That's why I wanted to bring this, this particular one up, but just a little but, bit of fun. Yeah, Cause say hey, good job, MLW. <laughs> I'm very excited to see uh, what comes up again. They did film matches. Uh, so there are some spoilers out there uh, on the internet. I have made the decision that I am not going to talk about those spoilers until those episodes air as far as fusion. So if you don't have the patience, go up and look them up yourself. But, you know, if you can be patient, make sure you stay tuned to the podcast because then we're going to be running down new episodes of fusion and alpha fusion or fusion alpha uh, when they uh, come out. Last but not least tonight. Well, we have CMLL news with Brendan. 
So, I mean, I just wanted to update people real quick on this. Again, CMLL is back in full swing. You can find a lot of some of their matches on YouTube. You can find a lot of results on Lucha Central. I have been covering the um, the Leyenda de Plata tournament here because that's part of the pay-per-view schedule. It's also one of their unique tournaments. Um, quick pitch. If you want more CMLL, let me know. I can always add in more CMLL. But at this point, I'm covering the stuff that I think is going to be the most interesting. Uh, so the, we had the second half of the uh, Leyenda de Plata, which featured Caristico, Virus, Negro Casas, Titan, Ray Camata, Polvora, Fugaz, and El Fadino Jr., uh, so it was again in Atomico's fashion. You had a battle royal, which set up the matches. Uh, the, all of these details are up on the website as to who fought, who wrestles who to to advance. But the end match was Titan and Caristico, with Titan moving on to the the finals. So it's going to be Templario and Titan for the Landa de Plata, which I think is going to be an amazing match. Uh, I don't think even CMLL's kind of, uh, conservative booking can keep, can contain this one too much. I think, you know, so I think we're going to see a lot of high flying action, some mask ripping, some, you know, I'd say some people getting thrown into the crowd, but I don't know if there's going to be a crowd at this match or not because Mexico and COVID are, are just crazy. But yeah, that's, um, once again, we had several guys, so this is, this whole tournament is very interesting. Caristico, Virus, Negro Casas, Titan, Ray Camada, Polvora, Fugas, and Felino Jr. So any of those pair up into interesting matches. The Battle Royal itself was interesting. Go check it out. Um, also, again, blatant plug, results are up on Lucha Central. Well, that is it for this week's episode of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. Don't forget, of course, that well, the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast is part of the Lucha Central Podcast Network on LuchaCentral.com. Make sure you visit LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. You can also follow Lucha Central on social media at Lucha Central on Facebook and Instagram and at LuchaCentral.com on Twitter. We plugged it earlier. LuchaCentral.com's YouTube page has lots of great content and matches. Uh, of course, as we talked about, um, uh, Braza de Plato, uh, de, oh, sorry, uh, Braza de Plata and Super Porky, uh, one in the same. Of course, there's a lot of content available online on YouTube. Uh, but while you're at it, please make sure that you check out the lucha central's youtube page and with that well if you got a few extra minutes go ahead and follow us on social media dusty where can our listeners find you i am on facebook at facebook.com slash dusty murphy and i am on instagram at dusty murphy and brendan where can our listeners find you i am 321 t-shirt guy that's the number 321 and then t-shirt guy all spelled out and i am on instagram Facebook, and uh, all over the Twitters. 
And me, Miranda Morales, you can find me at the hashtag Miranda, hashtag spelled out on Instagram and Facebook. I'm not on Twitter. So, you know, go ahead and follow the other guys. Follow Desi. Follow uh, Lucha Central. Follow uh, Brendan on Twitter. I'll get the message somehow. No, don't, <laughs> don't you worry about it. <laughs> Uh, and of course, you know, again, uh, for all of the other podcasts on the Lucha Central Podcast Network, make sure you check them out. There's lots of great content and information every week, including our sister show, the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast, Espanol version, uh, that goes up, um, and Again, lots of great content. If, especially if you're bilingual, you can, uh, get all of that there at luchacentral.com. Make sure you stay tuned, uh, to our episodes in the next few weeks as we're covering lots more stuff. We got you on AEW, WWE, Ring of Honor, Impact Wrestling, AAA, CMLL, that and so much more. As well as, hey, if any of you, uh, are independent wrestling fans, promoters, uh, or, or wrestlers, make sure to reach out to us on social media. We'd love to plug you in the indie roundup because we are passionate about independent wrestling and we want to make sure it has a place on this show. So for Dusty Murphy and for Brendan Barr, my name is Miranda Morales. Thank you so much for listening and we will be back with you next week. Christmas.